Pitch for Pitch podcast, the only podcast where two pitches enter and one pitch leaves. I'm your faithful host. Get your cat, your all your pets spayed or neutered. Terry Smith, and with me, as always, is I don't know, this is the big lady who does the stuff at the end of the opera. Ah! John Oprah. <laughs> for the uninitiated Pitch for Pitch podcast, is where we take your crazy pop culture story ideas and we pitch them and make them better, and then try to sell them as our own ideas. Yeah. Yeah, usually it's a head-to-head podcast, so you know you pick a winner at the end. If you're on our Patreon, you can go ahead and vote over there. You know who it's going to be. It's going to be Terry. It's it's obvious every single time. So it's not really a contest anymore. I'd like to say it's like more of a formality at this point. Would you agree, John? Yeah, I, and I appreciate you guys uh, helping me pick Terry's ego back up. Yes, yeah, so you know that's exactly what I need is a bigger <laughs> head. <laughs> So this week, um, I kind of put together an eclectic episode. No real theme here. We got some time travel elements, some Halloween elements, kind of fitting the October vibe. So we're going to start with some fun pitches. We like to call this our co-op section, if you know what the word co-op means. I don't know, John, do you do you need some help on that? That's I like know. where you keep chickens, right? Yes, yes. You keep them in a co-op. Uh, <laughs> they're very environmentally conscious. <laughs> <laughs> everyone knows that everyone knows all right so back to our co-op fun section so we're gonna start with this pitch that came from twitter at david Tolgatsky. post-apocalyptic robin hood so how do we do this what kind of apocalypse is it post that's not <laughs> helpful it's like the apocalypse has already happened this is afterwards yes but what, <laughs> is it a nuclear apocalypse is it a zombie apocalypse is it like do they have to be mutually rise exclusive? Rise of Gaia can, can apocalypse? It is it just every apocalypse? Yeah. What is what's the rise of Gaia? Is that it's just like the world? Y- like basically, the EMP and then no, 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 no. Well, not necessarily an EMP. Anything that like the planet itself rises up. The volcano under Yo- the super volcano under Yosemite goes okay, off. Okay. Nature starts spawning super fauna again. When you said rise of Gaia, I, I automatically went to like when they do like the division type apocalypse, where like we messed up something, but like the world has kind of rejiggered itself and got back on track and now like you see new york but it's covered in ivy and there's lines running around kind of but like it was an actual source by the source world, by, the by earth. We, i got you it's not we did something and then the world grew back around it it's the world caused the thing that happened i say we do a combination i say that volcano like you know like yosemite blew up and then also, you know, a couple of different targeted EMP attacks after we were like, you know what, the world almost ended, but we kind of got it back on track. And then some terrorist organization was like, you know what, fuck it. <laughs> and they took so, us down even further. The world's covered in ash. There's no electricity. But I think it's it's past that. I think the world's recovered from the ash fallout. And it looks like Robin Hood. You know, it, you know it's... Everything looks medieval. You have trees growing everywhere because the the soil was fertile. Yeah, this so is this would be long, long, five hundred years long minimum. After. I think it's longer than that. But I, I haven't. You think if you, we, the thing the is, if you go two thousand years, then you are just back into. No, no, no. But it's it's the like I don't I don't remember how long the the ash cloud that blots out the sun and prevents anything from. Let's growing, etc., actually is supposed to last. Let's say whatever it was, it was caused by, it is the perfect amount to where it's only been a few hundred yeah. years. It's a few hundred. So it's, it's a few hundred years after civilization was able to found itself. Again. Exactly, exactly. And so, like, there's still remnants. People still speak languages that are recognizable, if not exactly the same. You know, kind of like uh, the 100. 
Have okay. you seen that on CW? I, I haven't actually seen it, but yeah. I know it. Yeah, but there's like there was, civilization still existed after we left the planet and came back, so you know, there's there's still hints of it. Where was Wally in that situation? On um, wherever the nuclear bombs actually went off. Okay. And he's just building those little blocks. Yeah. And you know, he plays little John. <laughs> <laughs> the reason actually why I, I, I don't know if it's exactly this idea they were having is that's the fan theory going around for Taron Egerton's Robin Hood right now. Is because they're wearing semi-modern clothing, so their idea is this is like the post-apocalypse, and everyone's risen up again. The world fell, and then civilization. Yeah, came back. and now Robin Hood can happen. So I think that's maybe where the lines where they got the idea. So I want to do that, but I want it to be a little bit more obvious. Like I don't want it to be the twist and oh my god, this has been Earth in the future the whole time. I want it to be really obvious, you know, like uh, like the the bow is built like Ollie's bow from CW, mm-hmm. like season three, where it's like metal shards put yeah. together. That type of thing, you know, maybe the jungle where the Merrymen live is actually like some borough of like New York, you know, where trees have risen up and grown through some of the skyscrapers, but this but is still in some obviously recognizable yeah, location. It's hard for me. Every time I do a pitch, it just it ends up being on the West Coast in Oregon and what if they live, What <laughs> if they live redwoods. inside the Statue of Liberty? Ooh, ooh, I like that. Although, wouldn't that be where the king lives? I mean, not necessarily. Wouldn't he still live? In, the White House would still be like this enormous, sprawling. White House isn't that big in comparison to skyscrapers, though. No, but it's especially if you're setting it on the, the East Coast. The the White House building itself isn't, but the grounds are pretty massive. It still has street access, though. That's true. You know, I mean, like it's not. We know it as significant because it's the White House. Would it? It would look like a plantation home, basically. What's a, a tall building in? New York City, then in New York City, yeah, all of them, <laughs> like, em- like Empire State Building, yeah. that kind of I mean, thing. Yeah, that Trump Tower. <laughs> I mean, putting putting them in the Empire State Building makes sense. That's, yeah, that'd be kind of cool. The, it's it, like a focal point. Yeah, that's Avengers the, Tower, that's there, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, right. Whatever. I'm looking at her audio, and well, you're going Avengers Tower. That's real. <laughs> whatever the tallest building in New York is, that's where the king or the I don't know the ruling monarch ends up sitting. Yeah, by which um, I mean. King John, not King Richard. Yeah, I was gonna say King John because you gotta have the the takedown. And I want to be like, I think, I think classic Robin Hood story, but I think you you play with the fun. Well, what's what's our crusade then? (laughs) It's hard to have that. Like, that's just like cleansing. Like, it's just not okay. Like, the Crusades also weren't okay, okay, but but it's hard to to modernize that and then put it in a post apocalypse. I think I think the crusade was the clearing out of anybody who had remnants of the original civilization. So you're talking the US government that survived. So, so it's like cultists of the old world. Yeah. But it's really just like an old bureaucracy. It's an old bureaucracy. I think that'd be perfect actually. So it's them taking down like the the Department of Treasury and stuff. You know, people that survived. So in those all of a sudden and... we are looking at kind of a anti hero. Because Robin Hood's uh, always been an anti-hero. He is essentially an assassin. Right, you know? right, right. But he's now like taking down an existing st- uh, structure for what could be seen as no reason. Yeah, but I mean that's kind of that was kind of Robin Hood, anyways. He, you know, he came back. He was a warrior. Well, His lands have been taken. I'm more talking Richard. Richard is taking like the crusade is no longer this. Oh, he's doing this to 
Th- spread, but that's that's blah, crusades blah, blah. anyways though right, they're like let's spread christianity right but, to people who don't want it <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> that's fair, why it was a, that was why it was a war yeah. you know so i i guess we just have to the cru- they weren't we, missionaries we, right we have to frame <laughs> the ex- the old world as implicitly corrupt and or explicitly corrupt and terrible and there's no reason anyone just would want to go back to them. Well, that, but that's or but that, you that. don't have to do that though. Like you're reading too far into it because that's th- all these other things. Like Christianity wasn't like these guys are wrong. They were just like, no, nah, it's not what's in our book. No, no, no. But the framing of the Crusades in Robin Hood is that they are noble and just and righteous, and he's fighting King John because he believes in King Richard. Right, right. But that's just, that's because he believes in King Richard, not necessarily that he believes in the Crusades and all of that. That's just. He supported one the uh, I was gonna say theocracy, <laughs> <laughs> not the right word. <laughs> he he supported one king. He came back and some dude had taken his kingship. Like you don't have to read all that far into the Crusades because the Crusades were wrong. <laughs> like, <laughs> they were just objectively yeah, bad, yeah, and they didn't do like if you you know you're talking like Errol Flynn or anything like that. Washington Robin Hood. It's not they were like oh man they went four hours into why the Crusades were good. They were like. <laughs> He's back from the Crusades. <laughs> and where's King Richard? Like, you don't have to read that far into it. I think you just have the fun elements of, oh, man, like, they're doing the Crusades, but it's, oh, that's the U.S. government. And I think they're reinstating um, a theocracy. Where, like, they're trying to br- essentially bring back Christianity because there's nothing in, like, the Bibles that's talking about U.S. governments <laughs> as much as what people want you to believe. <laughs> so, so, like, they're looking at the bureaucracy of it and they're trying to take that down, and that's the bad guys. They're trying to spread the word again. I think you lean into that that Christian element a little bit too, kind of like, uh, oh, what was that movie, Book of Eli? Okay, where like it centers around it centers around the you know spoilers for Book of Eli, amazing film <laughs> written by Gary Whitta. But like you know he was blind, and they hint that like that Bible gave him the power to see, which might be a little strong viewing of it. You don't really know, but it still centers around that idea in the post apocalypse because people would want something to believe in, and you wouldn't have as much scientific evidence to support the other side. I think that would be a really interesting element to go with it. And like you said, you could do some interesting framing where it was like that old world wasn't good. They don't know that there are necessary evils coming from the Bible as well. But you know, you start in a new society, you got to have a framework. I don't, bureaucracy is not easy to understand <laughs> what is easy in quotations that people do support very easily based on faith is, you know, the Bible. And you could have other, other religions in there as well. Maybe some sort of combination of a lot of the monotheistic beliefs. I think that would be really interesting too. Some sort of like, Frankenstein's monster of religion yeah. into some new Pangea religion. Especially, you know, because, I mean, if you're looking across the board, there's so many like elements and so yeah. many different religions. Yeah. Like People don't like to talk about it like, it like with Christianity, but like there's so much of the, oh, hey, that guy's mentioned in here too. <laughs> you know, that if you were to do a hodgepodge in the post-apocalypse, you would come up yeah. with something like that. And it would be really easy to build a monarchy out of that as well. Yeah. I, I think that would be really interesting. And again, like because Robin Hood existed, you mess around with that. Like, is this just a retelling of a story or did it not happen? And I, I think you could have fun elements of that. And of course you cast some young dude who really is good with a bow so you can do practical effects like on the on skyscrapers and just some attractive guy who's in like amateur that, archery competitions. Isn't that just like every Robin Hood movie though? Like kind of. Kevin Cosner played Robin Hood, okay? <laughs> they did not cast him because they like, oh man, that guy would lead a crusade. You know, it, it was, well, it's Kevin Cosner. I guess he could be Robin Hood. 
Taron Egerton wasn't like, oh, I was born to play Robin Hood. It was like, well, that dude's good looking. He was in Kingsman. So I guess he's Robin Hood now. Also, Jamie Foxx plays Little John in that, which really? I'm really excited for. Yeah, he like it's like the origin of Robin Hood this time around. It's Little John training him to be an archer and an assassin. I was like, that'd be kind of cool. It's probably going to be like the semi-Assassin's Creed movie that we wanted. So I'm excited for that. Yeah, so, I didn't hate the Assassin's Creed movie. Yeah, but you it don't like good things. It wasn't good, but like, I've seen worse. Yeah, so? <laughs> I just said I didn't hate it. When I go see a movie, I don't want it to be the end of um, a one-night stand night where we're at the bar and I'm like, well, they're here, I guess, so <laughs> going home with them. That's not what I want when I pay almost $25 to go see a film these well, days. Well, I saw it for free. Because somebody else paid for it. That's, so. <laughs> so you were on one of those things. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I kind of just went along to a free movie. I didn't, I didn't. It was not like you said. It was not the worst movie I ever saw. But like, it opens up and th- you're already throwing all this mythology at people. And I'm a big fan. Like, I'm the opposite of a lot of people. I love the modern day stuff in Assassin's Creed. I just didn't think they did it well. You have Jeremy Irons. And you're essentially just wasting him. Nothing happens in that movie for like an hour and a half. Correct. And that's Nothing. where I'm like. And it's it's a long ass movie. I'm like, why is this happening? Yeah, and that's that's there was a lot of bloat to it. And it's they also like had to make sure it was canon. Which as a comic book reader, I'm like, that's neat, bad idea, but that's neat. <laughs> like, why did this have to be canon? Also, if it's gonna be canon, why did you change all the elements of the stuff we recognize? <laughs> that's a bad idea. I'm like, that's yeah. not a good combination. So Robin Hood would not be canon. <laughs> what do we call it if it's post-apocalypse? If it's Robin Hood? The Red Hood. Oh, oh, yeah. Never been used before, so that's good. Also, the Green you know, Hood. You know, Robin Hood, really known for wearing red, so that's perfect, actually. <laughs> Men in Tights 2. Was, was, uh, no, there wasn't a Men in Tights 2. No, there was not a Men in Tights 2. <laughs> there should have been a Men in Tights We're going two. to the next one. The next one we have, kind of along similar lines, is Modern Day King Arthur. I mean, people are just watching all the new trailers and just pitching those at us. Because <laughs> there's that new one starring uh, uh, Sir Patrick Stewart. And it's like a modern day King Arthur. You know? I hadn't heard about this. Yeah, um, I say we we ditch that kind of. Recently, there was this girl in Europe who pulled a thousand year old sword out of a lake, and not only and she's a little girl, like ten years old. She's so badass. She so she's a, the queen of England. Yeah, yeah. She wrote a <laughs> book about it because she's badass. So I think we lean into those elements. I think some kid, um, she pulls the sword out of the lake and it's like oh this is really cool she becomes famous she does the book tour but like she says like no matter what i'm not giving this to the the government the government's like we don't want it like you hold on to the sword we don't need it it's worth a lot of money but we got all the publicity we wanted out of it so she does museum tours to present it and she grows up just like carrying around the sword and eventually some knights show up and be like you were you were supposed to be the supposed to be the queen you you pulled the sword (laughs) out of the lake the lady of the lake gave it to you like why didn't you fix the world with the magic sword? <laughs> and she's just like, oh shit. So like she she uses she used the sword for not evil necessarily. You know, she made a good life. She did museum tours. She taught history. She thought she was doing the noble thing. But the, but the sword was supposed to save the world. So is this, is this story just about, about like a forty year old woman who? didn't use Excalibur properly. Yes, that's exactly what it is, I think. And I think that's... Because when people do modern-day stories so often, it's just like, oh, it's just the same story, but, you know, with buses now. (laughs) 
<laughs> but I think and everything's way easier because cell phones. Yeah, cell phones, exactly. Or you have to build in a plot device that gets rid of the cell phone. Yeah. Whereas, and I think that like modern day, so often people miss their calling, and I think that'd be a more interesting story to tell. You know, you got this forty-year-old woman who went through the limelight and she did the noble thing with it. She taught children. She spread the word. You know, she did the best thing she thought she could do with her celebrity. And she missed. Really old she items. missed the signs of you're supposed to be greater than this because she didn't try to be to be great exactly because she was being modest about it yeah. and therefore she didn't become the queen <laughs> of the world like she was supposed to and i think that'd be a really interesting element and then you have these really comedic characters who come from this land where like sp- people are supposed to have destiny and nobility and we're supposed to fight the evil and she's like everything's evil man like there's <laughs> where would i even start now with excalibur like can't just like walk into all these governments and be like i, g- I got the sword yo like <laughs> it's not how it works and i think that'd be a really interesting element and you don't make a lot of big action set pieces i think you have one or two just to show off that this is a magic sword and there's there's some cool scenes but it doesn't end with the do you have the archetypical oh i don't know how to sword fight but the sword does no i think <laughs> neither of those works so like you have the sword and like the person's supposed to learn that was supposed to thing like by by 40 they're supposed to be the ruler of the world and like so she didn't turn also it's like <laughs> you got this magic sword no one has a you to, you're the only one who can use it now because the lady of lake gave it to you so we're just screwed i guess <laughs> so it's just not gonna work yeah and i think she then i think the the ending of the story i think it goes through the motions where like she then uses it she proves that this stuff existed and she uses that to kind of build a more centralized not centralized government because that's bad but like a more um co-op related governments across the world you know you kind of build a new european union that's a little bit more how did uh, chickens come into this uh well <laughs> you see when a man and a woman love each other very much oh what and then excalibur comes out of the lake <laughs> that person <laughs> becomes the queen becomes, of the world yes yeah, like, yeah so that's that's sex ed <laughs> That's where the chicken comes from. I think we just solved. I think we solved the debate: chicken or the egg. So, what came first, the lady of the lake? <laughs> the lady of the lake. <laughs> the lady of the lake should always come first, John. So, <laughs> and that's why I'm the voice maker. <laughs> so, lady of uh, lady of the lake. I, I, but I think you just call it Thousand Year Old Sword. I think that's the name of the movie. And that I think that'd be the fun element is again, like she, she fails. She's not going to be the warrior. She can't be the warrior queen. She can't fix everything, but she can do the best she can. And that's kind of the lesson of the movie is she didn't mess up by not doing that stuff in the past. She's, she was trying to do better. And this world is not made to do better. Really? Like people who are doing the right thing, do not succeed for the most part. in this <laughs> world, Unless they already come from affluent families and then make their money and then decide they want to get back. Cause that's possible. <laughs> nice (laughs) so that's our co-op section i know sometimes we go a little long on that so now we're going to jump into the meat and potatoes of the podcast this is our versus section this is where i pitch a much better movie than john does sometimes we do tv shows but either way you get it i always win so this time around we were going with movies so i took a couple of pitches from friends this time this is not from twitter these are these are friends who they wanted to help us out and give john a chance so they gave him a really easy one so john do you want to go first do you want me to go first uh, I'll go first. Okay, so your pitch today was Medieval James Bond. Medieval James Bond. And this co- comes from one of our only Patreon supporters, Jordan McClanson. Good guy. I know that guy. Yeah, yeah that's why he supports us <laughs> on Patreon. Um, well, I'm going to go against what you just said, and I think because 
James Bond is such an enormous uh, codex of like actual content. How many James Bond books are there? There's like books, several dozen, right? Is there that many? I was thinking, I thought is it was there, like eleven or twelve. Is there? Is there just like one dozen? Yeah, that's still a large. That's a lot of. Unless they continued content. making them after the guy who wrote them died. Maybe I don't know. There's a lot of them. Though. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of books. Um. So I think you run this sort of like Sherlock. Okay. Um. And do like the BBC Sherlock. Yeah. Yeah. The BBC Sherlock. I would love to see a James Bond show on BBC actually. Um. And you break it down into. A short, uh, like a short series of, uh, like a three. What is it? Three episodes for Sherlock? Sometimes, yes. Yeah, so three seasons. There's episode, three or four. Three or four episodes per. And, the, and per they're season. and they're an hour long. They're like made for TV movies that are good. So so that's basically what you do. You do a bunch of one hour to two hour long missions. Okay. Okay. Um, but to do that, you need James Bond to be. A spy in ye olden day. Right. Which, I mean, if we're being completely honest with the way the world works, they were probably more prevalent. Like, they, people oh, yeah. think there's spies no, no, around no. every corner, but... Spying was more prevalent, but I think it was also less flashy. Yeah, but it was a medieval conceit, wasn't yeah. it? Like, that's yeah. kind of where it came from. Everyone like, had spies everywhere. You think, like, that's... War of Roses type thing. Like yeah. That's where, like, you know, the... The monarchy spies yeah. like trope comes from kind of so yeah, it's there's people everybody's people are everywhere that's why you had diplomats because they were spies yeah diplomats were that's just spies. why people sent over handmaids as gifts because people are to be traded like property so is he a but, diplomat or is he a handmaid no <laughs> no I think he is something simple like some necessary profession okay um maybe he's no you can't have him be a cook because that's too obvious um <laughs> only if you cast him as steven seagal and then I mean, it can be a cook you could always do the the traveling jester oh he, the traveling performer um, so does that change like who james bond is then or though? he is just a traveling knight or s- pseudo noble. that call it knight errant Right, I think so. Yeah, when they when they, yeah. they send them out and just like go or do good things. He yeah. he basically gets papers made for him, and he's working f- directly for the crown to go. Well, he has a license to kill. Right, exactly. <laughs> uh, he but he's working for the crown to go and root out whatever corruption or plots against the throne or whatever is out there. Uh, the b- leaving kind of the big missing piece is how do you do flashy gunfights and explosions in medieval times dude i mean there's so many movies that just like yeah wouldn't that car blow up like no no (laughs) (laughs) no it would not (laughs) but i think that's i think that's the big thing um is you have to find a way to make all of the missions seem as critical as they are supposed to be. Right. Because like, James, like, James Bond saves like, the world every saves day. Saves the world, yeah. There's always an order or some guild or secret organization that's going to blow it all up and start fresh. The thing is, whatever. that works when you're fighting nuclear bombs right. and laser cannons. On and the moon. 
tungsten rods being shot from orbit that leave craters the size, size is of, that like, one of the things i don't think that's one of the things but that there's that's like an actual potential military thing that came up a while back and it's really scary because it's, it's way more legitimate than lasers yeah it's way more legit it's like it sh- you shoot a meteor at somebody from a satellite yeah because that wouldn't <laughs> have repercussions that would ripple throughout the world i mean it would but like it's still something that was proposed, and I don't remember if it actually happened or don't not. Don't we have, like, like peace trees that say we can't weaponize space? Yeah, I think so. But, like, this was probably, like, a, well, we could do this. I don't think <laughs> I don't think it was ever, like, a military plan. It was just, like, some scientists being like, well, if you put up roughly three, like, three meter long, like, half a meter wide tubes of tungsten on a satellite... You could just like push them out, and they would destroy anything. Because <laughs> you're basically making a railgun, yeah, out of right. space using gravity. Oh man! <laughs> uh, so but you back can't to do James that. Bond. Yeah, you can't do that with James Bond in medieval times. And he can't kill hundreds of people with a gun because killing somebody with a gun is a lot faster than like having to sword fight. <laughs> like maybe he's an archer but even then it's like reloading doing another putting another arrow in your bow or on your bow or on your string is a lot less or is a lot less efficient than just pulling the trigger again yeah but haven't you ever watched those videos of the guys who like do like the masterful like like bow, oh yeah bow, and, like no. they do like five arrows in three seconds yeah but how many like speed shooters can do like six rounds on target in like 1.8 seconds right. from holster to holster. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not quite the same. And James Bond does do stuff like that, but it's like, if I remember, like, it's never like trick shots. He's never like doing the, the no, dead shot or the bullseye. No, it's never bullets. trick shots. He's, he just shoots the gun at the target and yeah. sometimes he hits. Yeah, or uses his laser beam watch. Yeah. Does he get one of those? Yes. Oh, I think gosh. I think they have laser technology back in I, I do think you need just mirrors i do think you need a cue yeah well yeah yeah you gotta have you um, you get your uh not uh, to assist you because you, i don't want you to win but like wouldn't you just have like the guy at the beginning of uh what was that really bad hugh jackman movie van helsing Where, i like, don't, you, i've never seen so, the hugh jackman van helsing he, he just has like a group like he works for the, the catholic church and it's just like these friars who build but yes like, you, you basically <laughs> uh, well, the way i was thinking of it was your da vinci in assassin's creed 2 your this is the guy that makes all of the cool toys that you can test out and see if they work. Right. And you you have to have something. And I think you lean into it and make it like, oh, no, no, this is just like a thing we have in modern day in a really archaic format. And I think you can have fun with that. Yeah. Sometimes it's a good cheeky now. And we're like, yeah, I had an idea for, I don't know what I'm going to call it. It spins and it has wings. It's like a helicopter, but that's dumb. <laughs> you, know, you know, you can have those jokes in there. What? Are, so we'll just, we'll agree with the conceit. It's medieval times. He's a spy. What's the arc out of the three episodes? What, what, what's the, what's the goal in mind? I think, I think first episode, he's still in the UK. Or in Britain, um, and I think it's are those the same place? A French or Spanish attack? Oh, okay. Um, and what, I think Inquisition of sorts, uh, perhaps some sort of Inquisition, because no one saw it coming. <laughs> um, and I think he has to track down a defector. Okay, so he has to f- take down a defector. Thing being, if he if it's some sort of naval invasion. 
and that's where you get your explosions. Okay, yeah, yeah. You, you're yeah. able to. I think that's like Goldeneye. Goldeneye. He was tracking down 006. Sean yeah. Bean. Like yeah. he was like, I don't want to be 00 anymore. I want to take down the world because <laughs> I worked. I was raised in this orphanage that this bad guy owned, or something like that. Sure. <laughs> I think that was the conceit <laughs> of, of Goldeneye. Um, but I think he has to hunt down a uh, defected. Double O agent, effectively a double O agent, um, and ends up blowing up the Spanish fleet. Okay, I can see that. Um, and you you have you can have your three episode arc of step one is figuring out what's actually happening. Step two is figuring out where they are. Step three is the confrontation and no, step the resolution. three is profit. Step three is never profit. Step one, you steal their underpants. Step two, something. Step three, profit. That's hey you gnome. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I like it. I like it. So you gotta have a cue. Do you which BBC do you go with? Which is like, do you go with the super classical people that everyone recognizes because they were in every other BBC show and a bunch of really good movies because they're classically trained actors, or do you do no, the other BBC, you, which is unknowns that are just on the stage? Nobody that's ever been on TV. Oh, just okay. a bunch of unknowns. Because I mean, that's where they went with the Robin Hood miniseries, and mm-hmm. it was bad. That was yeah. one of the few BBC shows I was like, this just is awful yeah like, <laughs> meandered they didn't know what story they wanted to tell they gave a dude a green hood that looked cool and here's a bow and arrow go do stuff and then after like season two they just like kill robin hood because the dude was like this show sucks guys like and that doesn't happen very often with british television usually they're like hey let's end it before it gets bad are you talking about the one that uh thor and Oakenshield was in yeah yeah i did awful. watch that that was awful it was bad not as like a lot of people love the seeker. I also thought that was shit too. Yeah. <laughs> you but, think everything is shit. You think that everyone more than ten people like is shit. No, that's not true at all. <laughs> no, no. So I like true. lots of no, it's not true. I, I like lots of things that other people don't like, but I thought those two shows specifically, I thought they were bad. And I didn't think the seeker was bad because it was like, oh, this kinda got popular. I think it didn't get popular because it was bad. <laughs> <laughs> um and also like it it's I guess it doesn't really. It kind of supports your argument. I was gonna say a lot of people don't like the Robin Hood show, but also BBC didn't like the Robin Hood show. Oh no, no, I'm not trying to defend the Robin Hood show. <laughs> I'm just also stating that you hate things that more than like 30 people like. No, no, not even true at all. So is that your pitch, John? Is that what you got coming up with? Is yeah, that, that's it. That's yeah. all, that's all you got. James Bond blows up the Spanish <laughs> Armada. <laughs> Done. <laughs> I like it. I like. It. I think you need to throw in. More gadgets. I think you gotta come up with a cool. So you you want you want gadget heavy James Bond, not not necessarily Daniel gadget Craig. heavy. But yeah, Daniel Craig. I like his version more. He's probably like my favorite out of them. But you have to throw in that conceit because then otherwise, why is it medieval? You got to make it interesting. Other, it's just Robin Hood. You know, yeah. it's like Robin Hood sneaking in places. I think you lead more into the assassin element where it is. Um, not knights, Aaron. Like he deals with knights. I think that's part of the poshness that he runs into. Is like he's trained to be classically good at everything, and then you have the knights who are like, "I'm awesome, and I have armor," and he's just like, ah, "That dude ruins everything." And I think that's kind of the element. The knights are sent on the same mission, but they they are walking through towns, going, "Have you seen this man? And, you know, we must find him." And lady, do you need assistance? And he's just like, "Shut the fuck up." <laughs> so like he like they're kind of getting in his way. I think you, I think you lean into some. I, of those I think elements. that's that could be an interesting because like that's. I think that's My, part of the issue that the, the Daniel Craig there's no levity in them. Yeah. They're just sad yeah. stories about a boy who was an orphan and the government was like, we can work with that. Yeah, but every other one is really good. Yeah. Every- 
<laughs> I mean, I've never really been. I think that's part of my issue with it too. Is no matter what you pitch me, I was gonna say that sucks. Cause I'm not a fan of James Bond. James Bond just isn't particularly interesting. I, you know, and it's not like, and there are the issues people run into. Where it's like, oh, he was a womanizer, and so I was like, this is a really old story. Yeah, that was not written <laughs> for the broad audience. But you can make that interesting. I think. Um, not Skyfall. What was it? Casino Royale. I really like that. Yeah, one. Casino Royale they, was good. I thought they did a good job. Not rebooting is the wrong word, but I thought they did a good job making him a human while still leaning into those fun elements where he gets a cool car and he gets to have sex with the, the hot chick and they both are badass. I think there are elements of that that you can play with, but if you put that into a medieval scenario, how do you make that not just Robin Hood? Right. And I think the the court jester thing was interesting i think you make him more of a rogue than a knight yeah i think you lean into the yeah. element of the disguises yeah and when he goes in the bar he is just the handsome guy and they're like oh is he a duke or something and i think that's where you get into the fun with the knights as you have that not competition necessarily but there is that suaveness of james bond can be cool while also trying to do a really important mission our audio engineer was mentioning he was like uh knight's tale two <laughs> <laughs> we've talked about making <laughs> knight's tale two <laughs> James Bard. Oh, that is oh. a good name. Oh, no. <laughs> Dave oh, with the puns right. over here. I'm, I'm done for the day. <laughs> that was it for me. Thank you, guys. <laughs> so I'm going to jump into my oh, pitch now. I have oh, one oh, last question. Oh, okay. What rating do you go for? It is on, it's on TV, but do you do the, like... You lean into the blood and the. I think what, the, whatever the stabby, stabby. I don't. I don't know how European rates for the for the yeah, television. I, but I go either. the same thing as Sherlock. Okay. Which is like there is some blood and gore, but it's yeah. not gratuitous. Yeah, it's it's a little bit. It's enough to show what happened, but not mm-hmm. enough to be like, oh man, that's a hard R on just a violence. Like, and, people get shot in the head on the on those shows, but it's not. It's not the same way we do shot in the head. Yeah. You know, there wasn't gray matter everywhere. Yeah, it's not and, the. You get shot in the head down the barrel of the camera, leaving the residue of your brain on the camera lens. Right, and you can do some tasteful sex scenes on TV where it still shows that like he's suave and things are happening, and he's sleeping with diplomats to get into the you know the the castle and stuff like that. You can do that on British television without making it XXX. So I think you can mess around, make it for adults because James Bond is not a property for kids, other than the fact that it's like only kids really find him super fascinating. Yeah. When you go to like the Sean Connery era, where he's like, he's got gadgets, and he said pussy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I, I liked uh, how, kind of how Roger Moore did it, where it's like, no, nah, he's suave and cool, but also the everyman type thing. And I think you can really get that if you aim just for adults. Yeah. And you don't try to rope yeah. in the uh, what's it like fifteen to eighteen yeah. audience. You yeah. don't need that. Like they're gonna watch it anyways. You don't have to aim at those people. Um. So mine's not on the BBC. All right, I'm I'm ready for you to put me to sleep. So. <laughs> because it's so awesome, you're floored, you're too excited, you pass out. That's what you mean, right? Sure. <laughs> if that makes you feel better. So mine probably would never be shown on British television because they're. Uh, I'm I'm picturing like the tenants of Faulty Towers, like just scoffing at this movie. Because what I was pitched was a sequel to Ghostbusters Two. Uh, <laughs> Wouldn't that just be a threequel to Ghostbusters 1? Yeah, No, because threequel is not a word. <laughs> I disagree. But I, I, I don't think it would be a start of a new trilogy. I really don't think it would be a rounding out of the third of, of, of a trilogy. It doesn't make it a trilogy. Um, it's not a mea culpa for the, the Ghostbusters movie that no one likes. So is it more of a spinoff of Ghostbusters 2? It's more just another Ghostbusters movie. Kind of like, you know what, a bad example because I don't like that movie, but Jurassic World. Where it's like it's it's a sequel for all intents and purposes of the other ones, but it's not called Jurassic Park Five or yeah, whatever. It's, it's, it's not 
It's not another Jurassic Park. It's in the same Jurassic Park universe, but right. it's not another Jurassic, Jurassic Park. Park. Exactly. Um, so it kind of does its own thing. It, I think you would probably call it Ghostbusters colon something, which, again, I don't really like those titles, but to show it's a little bit of a different thing. So you don't. it's not a sequel to the one um, that Kevin Feige made. Or not Kevin Feige. <laughs> Paul Feig made, not Kevin Feige. <laughs> not Marvel. <laughs> I have a pitch. Okay. Ghostbusters colon oscopy. <laughs> So what I want to do is you start out with, you lean into, it's the same Ghostbusters world with Bill Murray in it. Bill Murray's old and dried up and no one talks to him anymore because... Don't talk about Bill Murray that way. <laughs> he franchised. So he was like, guys, we can sell this. And Dan Aykroyd's character was like, I have to because we put we took out five mortgages on the building that you guys made me buy. And all this equipment that we needed to build. Um, Egon died. Egon's passed away because, you know, Harold Ramis passed away a few years ago. Um, you lean into all his elements. You show them. They're old. But really, you center on Bill Murray's character. He's just old. He's lonely. Um, he's trying to find Dana Barrett um, on Facebook. No luck. She hasn't talked to him in years. And a young man shows up at his door, and he's like, are you my dad? And it's Oscar Barrett, which was Dana Barrett's son in Ghostbusters 2. Everyone's like, why is there a baby? It's not Bill Murray's character. She had a baby with some other character in between these movies. What is happening? Why does Ghostbusters 2 suck? And you lean into those elements. You let it show, like, this is the same world. And he's like, no, I'm not your dad. Your, your mom doesn't even talk to me. I, 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 you can lean into the fact that maybe they never even dated actually at all. Because in Ghost, they never really make it obvious that Sigourney Weaver was into Bill Murray's character, right? So you, you lean into those. And he's like, no, I'm not your dad. Like, get the fuck out of here. But, like, is your mom still hot? You know, it's Bill Murray. You know, he's still cheeky. And that's when you find out that the world semi-accepted Ghostbusters as a real thing. So after Ghostbusters 2, people didn't keep denying that ghosts you know, were real. They were, they were like, yeah, well, I guess now that we've had two gigantic cataclysmic events in New York City, maybe we should believe these guys. That was swamp gas. <laughs> yeah, right, <laughs> reflecting off Venus. Um, but after they did that, no more ghosts showed up. But they still franchised the hell out of it. So every you, you kind of retcon when you see like ghost shows on Sci-Fi Channel, stuff like that. those are all Ghostbusters. They did the cartoon. Those all exist in this world, except for now there's no ghosts. So they made all... All this money, but they're still kind of the laughing stock of the scientific world, even though they proved ghosts existed, but then ghosts disappeared. So it's like, what was the point? So um, Dan Aykroyd's character is Dan Aykroyd, um, Ray Stance. Um, he went kind of crazy, like kind of like how Dan Aykroyd did, where he got really into crystals and he's trying to prove that the you know the afterlife exists again in a different way. So he's off being a yogi somewhere on some other continent. But Bill Murray's raking in all the dough. He feels guilty because Egon passed and he never really like helped him out. You know, he had some sort of disease. And that's where you find Bill Murray's character is he's trying to get back into the scientific community. He's trying to be taken seriously because that was kind of the joke of the the original film was he is a professor he has a doctorate but no one takes him seriously you don't know what he's doing he's doing fake psychology experiments on college kids trying to convince them they have psychic abilities so he can sleep with the hot ones so he was never taken seriously even out of that ghostbusters group he seemed like he didn't understand science at all so he spent his life's fortune trying to learn something and try to make these things and then of course, the, the conceit in the movie, ghosts start showing up again. 
And instead of centering on him, it's one of these groups that he franchised out to who are not scientists, who have this very expensive equipment that he just gave them because he didn't understand how it worked. And Harold Ramis' character, Egon, passed away. So no one was like protecting it going, this is dangerous. And they made that guy look like a fool in Ghostbusters 1. So the government wasn't regulated anymore. So you have these group of essentially amateur Ghostbusters who just made a show for the sci-fi channel. And they have real proton packs. So, so it's the, the ghost chasers. The ghost chasers, exactly. And they, they have the real proton packs, and they run into a real ghost. Because they, they're they in a haunted place, you know, in quotations, and they're like, oh, I heard a voice over there. If you ever watched any of those sci-fi shows, it's just them running out hallways going, oh, man, we saw the thing there, and we couldn't capture it on TV, but, man, it was scary. But this, like, th- like they're like, oh, yeah, we'll frame it, and we'll make it seem like that light is kind of flickering. And then that light actually does flicker. And then they actually do run into a ghost at this haunted castle that they're at. And it's them with the real proton packs actually having to use it and go, oh, shit. And they're super scared. They're trying to get a hold of Bill Murray. Meanwhile, Bill Murray and Oscar are just hanging out, like, trying to have any sort of connection because neither one of them have – he doesn't have a father figure. Bill Murray never got on with his life and never had a kid. So they're kind of connecting on that level. And then Egon shows up. And the ghost of Egon is the – I wouldn't say Slimer of this movie, but he's not quite Egon. He's collecting molds and funguses and just slowly infecting Bill Murray's apartment <laughs> with these things. And he's – Bill Murray, is, it's his friend, so he doesn't want to, like, ghost bust him. And he's trying to be supportive. But, like, it's just a ghost in his house who may or may not be malevolent. <laughs> And so it's the, it's those two kind of having a wacky coming, not coming of age, but like, you know, spiritual journey in this. And you do a couple flashes of like Ray's character, you know, Dan Aykroyd in the other place going like, oh no, like I'm seeing spirits. It's finally working. I'm, I'm reach I'm crossing over into Nirvana. I'm, I'm reaching my yoga levels. And it's like, no, like you just have like some, some like actual like Buddhist. They're going, no, that's a ghost. Like that, that, that is the, there is a spirit there. And he's like, I know I see it. He's like, no, literally that is a ghost. So you have some of these elements and you lean into the everyman elements with those sci-fi guys, which was the fun of Ghostbusters one that they didn't really get out of Ghostbusters two. Um, like they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> and I think that's when you have, um, oh, who, who was that? Uh, who was that everyman character? I forgot his name. He was supposed to be played by Eddie Murphy. He ends up getting played by the guy from Congo in in Ghostbusters One. I have no idea. I've not seen any of the Ghostbusters movies or show. So you don't know anything I'm talking about. How nope. have you never seen Ghostbusters? We often talk about on this show that like you, you've lived under a rock for like 25 years. Yes, I live next to Patrick Star. <laughs> but how do you not know Ghostbusters? I know enough about Ghostbusters to like recognize the Winston names. Zeddemore is played by Ernie Hudson. Um and his character shows up and he's been kind of in the backgrounds, just prepared for this day because he was always he was the religious guy. Mm-hmm. So when it starts happening in Ghostbusters, he starts quoting the Bible and he's like, "This might be a religious thing," and he's been like prepared for this this entire time. So he shows up, he's all gritty, he's got a proton pack that he's been learning how to work on all these years, and he's like, "I'm gonna show you motherfuckers how to bust some ghosts." And that's where the action elements come into, and it's that 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 group of five guys taking down some serious ghosts in this castle. And it's not a it's not a big thing. They don't have to go save New York City. There's not five thousand ghosts going. And attack this place because Vigo, the Carpathian, is showing up out of some book. You know, you don't have uh, uh, what uh, Milos, what was his name in, in Ghostbusters 2? The, the guy who just flew around, you know, Stuart <laughs> Daniel. 
<laughs> no, there, there, there was a really silly like character they brought in. He had a really bad accent, and he was just the sidekick to the really bad villain in Ghostbusters Two. You don't lean into any of that. You just you focus on them trying to figure out how to use these proton packs they weren't trained with. Ernie Hudson showing up to save the day as Winston Zeddemore. Bill Murray kind of becoming a surrogate father to this kid. You d- you don't have Sigourney Weaver in there, I don't think, but I think you throw in a few cameos of the Ghostbusters from the new Ghostbusters movie because while that movie sucked, they were hilarious in it, and I think you have them showing up, maybe mess with some meta, and like they are their same characters, but in that Ghostbusters world, which they should have been from the first place, that should not have been a reboot. They should have been characters in that world and just been smarter than those guys because they were all accomplished scientists this time around. And I think you have them show up and be like the scientific minds behind it and set them up to be in a sequel. You just want to work on something that Kate McKinnon's in. Yeah, always. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. But I, I think I think that way you can kind of have your cake and eat it too because, again, they were not the bad part of that film. That film had no idea what it wanted to be, had really bad effects. And then also they're just like, just want to improv the whole thing because you guys are amazing. And they're like, yeah, the improv was funny, but this does not make sense as a film. <laughs> so you, you had them in there. You get rid of all of the crazy weapons they added in the the Ghostbusters reboot, which I thought was weird. It seemed like a cool idea. Didn't when you, someone have like Ghostbuster knuckles? Yes, they had gauntlets. That's exactly what I'm referring to. And it was like, if you want to sell toys, I guess that's cool. If this was a cartoon, that would have been dope. But come on, like it, jumping the shark is hard to Gotta say. In punch a movie. them ghosts. I mean, it was an SNL cast movie about them fighting ghosts so you can't really jump the shark you can't say that silly and then gauntlets aren't you know or vice versa so i hate to say like you don't do that but the fun was that it was simple it was a simple idea and there isn't a lot of growth in that original film or two um they didn't really do that either with the ghostbusters reboot and i think you use this as the movie to kind of show these characters are characters and they existed past because they, they mess around with that a little bit in two. It was like Bill Murray was sad because Sigourney Weaver didn't want to be with him. And it's believable she wanted to be with him. She was an accompli- accomplished, uh, I think, a celloist. I think she, she played the cello. I know you haven't seen it, but I think that's what it was. So she was this accomplished musician. And he was just a dude who was a <laughs> um, disgraced scientist, in quotations, who fought ghosts on TV. <laughs> so like that was never going to end well. And I think if you lean into that and show those characters while paying you know, homage to the the classic films and the reboot, I think you can tell something fun there. And I think it ends, again, there's no giant cataclysmic event other than looks like ghosts are back. And that's how you lean into maybe doing sequels, maybe doing a TV show, do whatever you want from there, but show all these fun characters in the same world again. You don't make Dan Aykroyd a weird taxi cab driver like he was in the, in the reboot. Like, what's up with that? You put those fun characters, Kate McKinnon and the group, in that world. You pretend like that movie didn't happen, but still get to have your cake and eat it too. They're scientists in this world. Oh, maybe they're not even the same scientists. Same characters, different names. Fuck it. You know, multiverse theory. <laughs> and that way you can have this set up of sequels the way that they should have done. Um, Dan Aykroyd is really known for writing these tomes because he never learned how to write a screenplay originally. Um, when he pitched Blues Brothers, it was like 5,000 pages. And there was like an hour for recruiting each member of the band that don't even really get names in the original Blues Brothers. And after he turned that in, they're like, no, this isn't a film. This is like a book series. That's something that I would read. Right, exactly. Yeah, like, but it wasn't written in a Wikipedia page, so you wouldn't get it. Um, it was actual narrative. <laughs> so take that, John. Uh, anyways, they, they kind of learned over the years how to write uh, a screenplay, and he still wasn't good at it when it comes to like writing 
moving characters. They wrote funny characters because they were all funny characters, but they never really understood how to write a journey in that way. And that's why Ghostbusters 2 was just a repeat of the same thing. And I think this could kind of show the growth of that series, which kind of shows what we as moviegoers now want to see. Like, you run into some some tropes now and again, but I think we want more out of our comedies too. Like we, we don't want people just to improv at us for an hour. Like 21 jump street was an improv movie, but they also told a pretty fun mystery story in there with Channing Tatum and Jonah Hill. Hilarious. It, yeah, it was. And you can have that. There are so many of those, but I think you got to throw a little bit more of a journey in there to tell a story. So that's my ghostbusters pitch. Um, I know it was, I, I think the original pitch was Hamlet versus ghostbusters. And I'm sorry. I didn't do that. I didn't know what to do with that, but I have been sitting on an idea for a Ghostbusters-like sequel for a long time, and that, that's why I went with that. You heard it here fo- first, folks. He just took half of the pitch. <laughs> Does that disqualify me? Does that mean you win by default? <laughs> I mean, I think doing an episode means I win by default. <laughs> but Listen, when we write the Wikipedia page for this, who's going to edit it? It's not going to be you. No. That's right. It's not. So I can just put whoever winner I want. Sure, <laughs> I don't think you can, can do that with Wikipedia. It's got it can't be a primary source. So <laughs> so we gotta have find some fan who wants to make a Wikipedia page for us. Wikipedia can't be a primary source. No. I didn't know that. Yeah, That's... it's it's like the opposite of journalism. Like journal you want a primary source, you want yeah. people to quote it. But the way Wikipedia works is you want substantiated facts from other places. Yeah. It's like it's like a yeah. repository more. Yeah, you want sources. Yeah. So it doesn't really but work. Not like first hand reports. <laughs> and I'm sorry, I know you like stories other than wiki pages, like uh Jim Butcher. You know, you're a fan of Jim Butcher. I am. <laughs> I've never read his wiki. I want to read and see like if it like I haven't read it either. <laughs> do you actually even read wikis? No. <laughs> I always You do. read wikis way more than I do. I know, do. but I always pull the quote because you're just like, I just wish they would lay out more information. Sometimes these stories are just so long. I'm like, yeah, it's a book. And you're like, yeah, but he's like I just lay out all this stuff. I want them to tell a more concise story. That is that's a specific reference to What's stories it? that are... I think uh, it was for comic books is what you're talking about. I think it, it might. It was either for comic books or for... Because you read Brandon uh, Sanderson, and that dude does Brandon, the opposite. No, it was either for comic books or for like when I was first reading Brandon Sanderson, where it was like, no, no, no. They don't give you any information and expect you to just keep reading without understanding how anything works. Yeah, and, and I, I get I get your your negatives on that. Just like so much with mysteries. Like so much when like, we write stories, it's like, no, you're giving them too much. Like you want to give them a little bit? You know, so they can keep going. Because some stories don't do that. Some stories are just like, yeah, read the next page and you'll get them. I'm like, nah, but you didn't give me a reason to read the next page, which is what you're saying, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like, I, I get that. Just sometimes I'm like, ah, you don't have to explain everything on this page. I don't need to know in depth how the magic works today. If I read it tomorrow, that's cool. Give give me a little bit. Brandon Sanderson's like, page 45, we're still just explaining how gravity magic works. So, strap in. But he doesn't ever explain it. No, is but, the he, thing. but he tries to. He's like, no, he, he has characters explaining, like, well, we think it does this, but it probably doesn't. I'm like, ah, no, he, he has characters like, I'm on page say this is what we do, and then leave it for a book and a half, and then come back to it. I love his style. I, I like that's the way I write stories too. It's like you had lots of supplements. There's exposition, but it's fun exposition. And this is how this planet works. We're not going there, but just so you know, that's how that one works. And here's a page where just this is this the narrator drawing a picture for you. That's what that thing looks like. That's cool. But man, 800 pages in, and I'm like, oh, is this gonna come to an end? Or nope, nope. There's four more in this series. See, I like most of his story structure. I just don't like the pointed absence of information. 
and it's, again, it's not written in a way that I think is compelling of absence. Because sometimes absence is compelling. I'm like, God, I just wish I would know what happened to that guy. So I'm going to read the next page. Sometimes I'm just like, I just don't know what's happening to that See, guy. Why am I reading that next page? <laughs> I'm never like, oh, I need to finish the mystery. I, I You're just not have, a mystery person. No, I'm not a mystery person. And that's person. why I always pick on you. I'm like, just read a Wikipedia page. Because they're just going to list the end of the mystery at the end of that section when you get to that. <laughs> but no, Wikipedia pages never list the, mis- the, the conclusion of the mystery at the end of the page. It's always in like the first third of the paragraph yeah yeah and they, then they go back way and, too easy then yeah. they go back and they re- yeah and it turns out it was it. revealed that this was ghost rider from yeah. the future I'm like, what man i just wanted to know what issue to read that's all i wanted out of you marvel wikia uh so anyways <laughs> that's our quick aside on what we like about stories we're gonna jump into um our rapid fire section that's neither rapid nor on fire um this one was was pitched as time travelers blank and i, they, I got a lot of good suggestions on here um, the first one up is Time Traveler's Roommate. I think this is kind of a knock on, you know, Time Doesn't Traveler's work. Time Traveler is impossible. Yeah. <laughs> I think Time Traveler's Roommate is basically a, a Doctor Who spinoff. Okay. And it's not the companion or the companion's friends because they also usually end up being companions. The companion's companion's friends, guy who lives next door who ends up having to move in with them. It's just like, where are you guys at every other weekend? Like you show up and you're like, this crazy thing happened. And then I don't see you for a week. And so it's the guy back. who has to take care of the dog. Yes. And it's like, man, dude, you wanted this dog. And every time you just show up with new people with different accents, but they have the same names. I don't understand what's happening. Sometimes it's a dude. Sometimes it's a chick. Sometimes he's Scottish. What is happening? And he's like, man, I don't know. I just like, I was hanging out with Sarah's friends and, they go to space sometimes. I don't know what you want me to tell you. Like, we're just along for the weekend. I went out for a pint and they came back. And it was two years later. I so, Listen, timey-wimey stuff. <laughs> do, how do you pay them? Do you just come back with, like, gifts from, like, medieval times that he can No, I, th- I think that's your other thing is, like, this person works at a museum. <laughs> so, so, like, they're okay with it because, like, every, like, every month they'll get, like, a priceless <laughs> artifact that was, like, Thirty dollars. You have that girlfriend character, kind of like the beginning of School of Rock, and he's like, "Why do you hang out with him? He doesn't pay rent." He's like, "Yeah," but instead of just being like they've been friends for twenty years, it's like he sometimes brings back thousand year old objects <laughs> that I can then use to get my doctorate. Yeah. So it's like I don't know what you want from me. I got to do this. Yeah, it's just it's working out. It's not it's not great. Sometimes aliens destroy our apartment, but you know he usually ends up building a new one. Do you know how many Ming vases I have? <laughs> Three. <laughs> Three of them. <laughs> like, what's a Dalek? I don't know, but their their husks are perfect for making coffee. <laughs> Which uh, uh, Daleks kind of look like an espresso ma- maker, right? I'm not crazy on that. That's kind of what they look like. Kind of, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Maybe I just don't know what an espresso maker looks like. <laughs> <laughs> so next up is Dentist Who. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... The doctor, I don't believe, is an actual doctor. It's just his name. Well, if you go back to like the original series, was he an actual doctor? He wasn't an alien. He was just like was a really a, smart person. Was he was he the just... professor, basically. Okay. And it was an educational I the professor show. Was a different character. No, he was. I, I'm saying okay. like this, like the professor, like that that trope of he's a smart character who takes these kids on adventures and teaches them math while also fighting aliens. Okay. That was the doctor. Okay. And then it became a sci-fi, you know, adventure show. Okay. So if you go dentist too, I think you go back to those original elements, and you have a dentist who Is takes all of his, his some some old guy teaching people about oral hygiene through time and space. <laughs> <laughs> so like you you like put him in the chair and be like, Doc, listen, just give me the root canal. I don't need it fixed. And you're like, No, but you need to understand where this comes from. And he transports you to the first root canal. Oh. <laughs> 
<laughs> See, like this I'm... doesn't sound interesting at all. <laughs> well, listen, they gave me a one or two word pun. What do you want me to do? <laughs> um, timeline, but with Paul Walker's brothers. I have zero reference to any of this except for who Paul Walker is. <laughs> so, timeline is a book um, about the these guys who follow their professor back in time. Okay, the, essentially government organizations, all that stuff. That's that's the conceit of the book. All right. In the movie, Paul Walker is the son of the professor and is included in the group because movie conceits you got to have one character who cares about them but doesn't understand any of the science. Sure. So he goes back with the group of one person who's like a friend of his who was like a student of the professor who like understands history of that time, but then a bunch of like government agents. Okay. So like they go back in time. Paul Walker plays the son. So the joke is because Paul Walker's brother stepped in for him in the Fast and the Furious sequels after Paul Walker passed. Okay. I think that's what they're saying. But I think you just do a really bad like straight to dvd movie sequels where it's just paul walker's character had two younger brothers who didn't get to go back in time and it's their adventure <laughs> they go back to save dad but dad was already saved like a long time ago <laughs> all right and they don't know that and they go sent to different times they just kind of look like paul walker <laughs> sure <laughs> uh back to the future but things go right then there isn't a back to the future movie well there is you just have it star ferris bueller Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> no, it's bow, wow. <laughs> we already talked about this in the Ferris Bueller episode. Yeah. Just, if, if, if you put Ferris Bueller in any 80s movie, things are just going to go okay because it's Ferris Bueller. It's not going to go well for Until anyone else. Until he becomes Beetlejuice. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And Teen Wolf and Teen Witch. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, I think th- things go well in Back to the Future. There's just a lot of setbacks. So, I think their idea is, like, everything things just goes according to plan. Go, no. Nothing goes well in those movies. I, but I'm saying like, it ends up well for him. Like when he comes back to the future, after the last movie. No, no. After the the but when he comes back in the fu- first one, they're like, "We did it, guys. We saved the time." And then it's a different problem. It's not the same problem. It's a different problem. But he comes back, and his girlfriend's okay, and everything's okay, and he fixed it. His mom and dad have a good relationship. Why did they use the time machine again? Because th- there's a different issue. That's that's the whole thing. I know you haven't seen the Back to the Future movies because you haven't seen anything. But there's a different problem. That's why they go to the future this time. It's your kids, Marty. There's a problem with your kids. Yeah. All right. Yeah. You just don't get it. <laughs> no, I just don't like those movies. Exactly. But that's what I'm saying. Like, it is, it's not the same problem over and over again. You're, you are right that everything is hunky-dory finally at the end of the third one, so you assume, unless you've played Until the... Until the fourth one. No, there was no fourth one, but there's sure, a, there's a Kane and Telltale game. Yeah, there's a Telltale that, game. That or... picks up, like, five minutes afterwards where he's like, no, turns out we fucked it up worse. <laughs> yeah. And then there's... <laughs> another thing that'll come out in another 10 years. I think there was a proposed cartoon. It's not canon. There'll be a cartoon. There'll be a book. (laughs) Right. There won't be actually though because Robert Zemeckis is like his estate is really like hard against like no more Back to the Futures which sucks for like everybody who owns stakes and Back to the Futures like just let me do my Back to the Future and they're like (laughs) no. (laughs) (laughs) But I think you just like Back to the Future but it goes well. Everything goes according to plan. When they go back in time Marty isn't like Doc I messed up I'm stuck in a tree and I'm wearing a vest. It's just all right, Doc, went back in time. It's all good. I fixed it. Let's go home. And they're like, yeah. And they just have dinner. That's not a movie. Yeah, exactly. That, that's, <laughs> why, that's why it doesn't work. But that's what it would be if everything There's, went back like well. That's like, tell a story in which there is no conflict. Uh, and like They did a thing. It worked correctly at the end. I think one of the biggest issues was in the beginning of it is that Doc gets shot by the Albanians. Was it Albanians? 
I don't know. It it was some terrorist group. So I, I apologize. It probably wasn't the Albanians, but it was some group who like want, like he was supposed to build a bomb for them, and instead he took their nuclear like like fission like requirements and resources and made a time machine instead. So I think they show up and they're like, "Oh man, you didn't build us a bomb. You built a time machine." Okay, you know that's cool. That's cool. Can we get rich off that? All right. Because like, people are like always gangs are like, oh, it's like always like this idea. It's like sometimes they just wanted money, so like he gave them money from the time yeah. machine. We're gonna extort the world because we have a nuclear bomb. Yeah. Oh no, we just have a a what? A, a time machine. Oh, okay. <laughs> I guess that doesn't really end well though, because now you have a terrorist organization that now has a time machine. Next thing, <laughs> Terminator Genesis, but Genesis is spelt correctly. Okay. Uh, big spoiler. Haven't seen the Terminator movies either. Oh, yeah. No one else. I need our audio engineer for a second. Come over here and get on the mic. Hello. Okay. Dave the engineer. So, Terminator Genesis, which one was that? Was that the one where... That was the one with Amelia Clark, I think. No. No? No. I believe that was the newest one. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah, right. I, I think that was... The one where Arnold Schwarzenegger came back... To the future? Holy shit, we crossed the streams. <laughs> so I think this time what it is, is if it's spelled correctly, it's the Genesis, it's the original Terminator going way too far back, and it's like the beginning of human history. <laughs> He's like, well, if we just kill that guy instead of trying to kill um, uh, John Connor and his mom. We'll like, just kill the first human. Kill the first human, wouldn't that be easier? And they do it, and they're like, oh, no, wait, but then we don't get made. And then the series, just, that's how Terminator ends. <laughs> Dinosaur paradox, and then it turns out that is how the dinosaurs series that was on Disney gets made because they evolve no. instead of us. Yep, yep, that's how it gets made. That's oh. how it works. All ties together. Looper two unlooped. <laughs> Isn't that just the end of Looper? Kind of. It, he ends the loop. That's yeah. the whole joke. I think. Someone goes further back in time and stops Bruce Willis from messing up with anything. So you just get Joseph Gordon-Levitt in that really bad um, nose prosthetic forever. <laughs> the nose nose. The nose nose. Um, hot tub time machine. Oh, no. It's hot tub colon time machine. <laughs> What's the difference between it's the not two? A hot, it's not a hot tub time machine one word anymore. It's a hot tub. And then there's a time machine. <laughs> so it's it's a movie about hot tubs that has a time machine involved. No, no. Two different stories happen simultaneously. One's about a hot tub. One's about a time machine. No, 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 no. It's just drunk history in a hot tub. <gasps> the end. They've done that. They do one episode a season where they're in a hot tub. Okay, so it's just more of that. <laughs> but the, the time machine. <laughs> yeah, the time machine is Them telling the, the, stories. The, the, tell, the telling of I mean, the story. Is, how deep is that, man? Just storytelling. That is the time machine. Yeah. Turns out the it was the friends we made along the way. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, I like this one. This is a good pun. Edge of today. It's like edge of tomorrow. Yeah, no, I get it. <laughs> so it's just like, that's just like life. You do edge it's, of tomorrow. And instead of the ending, again, spoilers, I'm sorry, if you haven't seen Edge of Tomorrow, How Tom Cruise you? is good at stuff. That's the ending of Edge of Tomorrow, by the oh, way. Oh, I thought that was just a statement. It is. <laughs> so, but you have it where instead of him being like 40 when he made it, because the movie's getting older now. I don't know. He's just his 60-year-old self like he is now. 
it's just like a, it's just like a little bit more modern. He's still really good at things because Tom so Cruise is it's undying. Just the same movie, but a little bit later in the physical time when it was produced. It's the only reason why I think there's any merit to Scientology, even though that's a cult and super scary. Oh, because he's never going because to die. Because he's never going to die. So they have something. It only works on Tom Cruise, so there's still a fallacy and all that stuff. But they got they figured something out. They figured something out. Or Tom Cruise is a Highlander. He's just been a part of every religion. He's like, might as well try Scientology this time around. <laughs> One of those two things is true. Sure. <laughs> One of those two things has the potential to be true. Ooh, ooh, I like this one. Just like the comic book nerd me. Spider-Man, Days of Future Past. They're X-Men, Days of Future Past. Yeah, was, I know, was I, yeah, it's... yeah. So, X, give you a little bit. X-Men Days of Future Past, they send, originally Kitty Pride in the movie, they send Wolverine back in time to stop an issue with the Sentinels mm-hmm. from taking over the world. Mm-hmm. That's the conceit of Days of Future Past. Why? Um, that's just like, hey, Spider-Man, go with Wolverine. No, I don't think so. I think because you don't get, a, you get a lot of dimension hopping they're both Because mar- they're both Marvel, Yeah, right? they're both Marvel. Yeah, yeah so you, you just could just be like, hey, it's Days of Future Past. But we said Spider-Man back instead of Wolverine. I have two ideas, for, or I guess three if we include that, because that'd be funny. If it's just like Tom Holland there, or like Wolverine, or Tom Wolverine stabs somebody, Tom Holland's just like, oh man, I am in over my head. Where's Mr. Stark? I don't feel so good. I'm going to interrupt here. Uh, I'm going to say Buddy Cop, Time Travel, Spider-Man, Wolverine, done. <laughs> Ooh, Spider-Man and Cable. So I think actually what you do, I, I still think that'd be funny because you just have Tom Holland going, oh shit, <laughs> Wolverine stabbing people. But I think what you do is you either have the movie version, which is Tom Holland getting sucked into time travel and alternate dimensions, not really alternate, but like alternate timelines where he grows up to look like different people. So like sometimes he looks like Andrew Garfield, sometimes he looks like Tobey Maguire. It's like, oh man, why did I look so rough when I was 20? <laughs> <laughs> and just having to fix his life and like oh man Mary Jane like live next door in this one I like that <laughs> I had to drive across town and meet with like some like weird old lady that was friends with my aunt's daughter to meet Mary Jane it took me forever anyway wouldn't that just be your cousin your aunt's daughter that's just your cousin no no no, no. his aunt's friends I know like, uh, you said my aunt's daughter <laughs> no his aunt's friends, friends start- yes aunt's yes we're on the same page now. The first thing you said was, oh, man, I really have a crush on my aunt's daughter. I said the name of a crush. Whatever you... Get out of here. So time travel with Spider-Man. But what I was getting to the point is there's always, like, dimension hopping, but there's not a lot of time travel. So you could easily do that in a comic book where it's like he has to go back in time and change something along those lines, and you have that Flashpoint-type story where it's like, I could go back and save Uncle Ben, but you only do it for a second because he's like, no, that's stupid, and like, make, him feel, make Flash feel bad because he went back and saved his mom and fucked up the whole timeline. And Spider-Man, just being the scientist he is, is like, no, nah, that's a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go do the thing I was sent back in time to fix in the first place. And it's him fighting some other time traveler. Dave, uh, you're a comic book guy. What other time traveler should Spider-Man fight? Deadpool. <laughs> Isn't Spider-Man v. Deadpool like a classic thing? Yeah, well, they're also they're friends. That they go back and forth. It's a really interesting uh, like matchup. So that would be funny. I don't know. Uh, you could have him going back in time to fight some other time travel. The conceit that happens every time Spider-Man has to go through any dimensional portal or time travel thing is always one of two things. Either A... Everybody else is dead, so Spider-Man has to do it. Or B, it only affects Spider-Man because of some cosmic thing. Like, that's the whole thing with Spider-Geddon and Spider-Verse, is there's these interdimensional vampires that only feed on spider-powered people. So, like, there's these cosmic entities called Inheritors who are just like, no, we just really like how Spider-Man tastes. You, I know, listeners, you can't 
see it, but I hope I hope you hear my blank stare. <laughs> <laughs> you just don't read comics. It's really fun. Um, so that's my idea. Lake House 2, colon, John Wick. Lake House 2, colon, Electric Boogaloo? <laughs> no, that's... Everyone does that joke. This is colon, John Wick, because... Keanu Reeves starred in both. He starred in Lake House and he starred in John Wick. Sure. Do you know the Lake House? I know it was a movie. So the whole thing with that is there's is that the one characters. where they send stuff in the mailbox? Yeah, but it goes back in time. Yeah. One character's in the past, one, one character's in the present, and they send, or I think it's both are in the past of us because then they meet in the present. It's real dumb. Um, but they send these letters to each other and have like a between timelines romance. But... I think she breaks his heart and then gets killed, and so does his puppy, and he becomes John Wick. <laughs> okay. So, like, no matter what timeline happens, He's, Keanu Reeves, Keanu Reeves always is always John, John Wick. Wick. It's like with that inevitability. <laughs> Even if, like, if you watch, say they made enough um, sequels to Bill and Ted, eventually, was he Bill? Yeah, he was Ted. Eventually, Ted always becomes uh, John Wick. <laughs> Even though he's Excellent. not John Wick, he always becomes an assassin because someone kills his wife and his dog. And that's not why he becomes an assassin. He was an assassin a long time ago. Then he retires. He stopped being an assassin. Exactly. Being but you know what I mean. Yeah. Eventually, some tragedy will turn him into an so assassin. So what if his wife and dog are killed, and that's why he becomes an assassin, and then he retires, gets a wife and a dog. And, and it always <laughs> comes like, full circle. It's like, a dog always dies, unless you watch Dharma 2, where the dog survives. So he really just needs to stop getting married and buying dogs. Just get a cat. <laughs> just get a cat, John, and everything would be fine. Although I believe like the third movie's coming out, and like he's no longer he's like disavowed assassin, so like everyone's coming after him. I don't know. I didn't like the second one. The first one was fun. I didn't see any of them. The first one got some really cool like gunfu like moves yeah. and stuff, and then the second one's just like him shooting a lot of people at bad angles, so it just wasn't nearly as fun. They made a kind of cool world though. Read the comic book, it was awful. <laughs> Art was really good though, and I, the story seemed like it would have been cool if it wasn't like John Wick. <laughs> Anyways, uh, that's been the Pitch for Pitch podcast. I really hope you enjoyed our crazy ramblings about stuff that you don't care about and weird asides about Wikipedia pages. Uh, <laughs> if you liked this, go subscribe over on iTunes. Hopefully you already subscribed and you've been listening all the way through. If not, go and subscribe over there. Check out other episodes. Um, drop a review if you liked it. That'd be really, really helpful. Reviews on iTunes and on Google Podcasts helps a lot. It helps discoverability. People don't see it if you don't review it. And also, if you hated us, you can drop a review too. But really, we want a review if you loved us. We like those five-star reviews. Those go a long way. If you want to follow us on any of the platforms, we're at Pitch for Pitch Podcasts. We are at Professional Entropy. That's our company. That's our parent company that creates all these wonderful, lovely podcasts that you love to listen to, obviously, because you're still listening. If you want to support us, you can do all those things. You can head over to ProfessionalEntropy.com and click on the contact us form and you can send your suggestions your ideas for the show um if you want to just talk to us about business things you can contact us over there that's the best way to get a hold of us or if you really want to support us and give us some cheddar you can go over to patreon.com slash professional entropy um even if you don't want to support us over there at patreon you can still check out all of our things see what you can get for a buck or two you get early access to all of our podcasts you get bonus podcasts every month there's a lot of a lot of value over there plus if you want to support us you can help us reach our stretch goals which means more podcasts more shows more often so there's lots of things you can do over there. You can get a chance to contact us one-on-one, which might not seem fun to everybody, but to some people who want to talk Spider-Man and the Inheritors, well, you got a guy right here that you can do that with for an hour. 
<laughs> or more. It depends on how well the conversation goes. Um, I'm at Resident Steevil on Twitter. Uh, John, where are you at? I'm at Mr. Oprah on Twitter. And that's with no H. No H. And you spell out Mr. Yep. And I'm going to spell out Resident Steevil because I was told on Twitter that it was really hard to find me. So it's at... You're a Z in there. You're a Z. It's at Resident Steevil. R-E-Z-I-D-E-N-T-S-T. E-E-V-I-L. They didn't have tr- trouble with the Z. They had trouble with the double E's, I guess. That's because you spell Steve with one E between the T and the V. Because it's resident steve It's not like I'm just spelling Steve. I, sure. steve <laughs> <laughs> Um, And this has been Pitch for Pitch, and we're out.